Welcome to Almost Awaken. I'm your host, Bill Real. We explore human development here, spirituality, psychedelics, sexuality, and more. Our aim? Equipping you with tools for a fulfilling post-religious life. This is Almost Awakened. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Almost Awakened podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Grateful for the chance to be with you folks today. I've got a special guest. I'm going to I'm going to call him a celebrity. He is a radio personality down here in Southern Utah. Uh, I've known him for, for a few years now and just an incredible personality, a great sense of humor. Uh, it's not Mick Foley. It's not uh, Matt Foley. This gentleman does not live in a van down by the river, but instead this is uh, Southern Utah's uh, Michael Foley. How are you doing today? Hey, hey, how's it going? Good, good. Life treating you well, my friend? Uh, yes, I think so, for the most part. Excellent. You are part of the radio show, Mikey in the Misses, where you and your wife, and you've been doing radio for a long, long time. She joined up with you maybe, I don't know what it was, three, four years ago, five uh, years ago? It was about uh, seven or eight years ago. Wow. Then yeah. time flies. Mm-hmm. And uh, you do a show down here. You're always uh, joking around, providing laughs. I think you, you've gotten into like doing TikToks and shorts and Mm-hmm. you've got quite the following down here. And I, and I know from time to time that I, I see your stuff show up and I'm just laughing my ass off and oh, good. no offense to those who are bothered by bad language, maybe tuning in, but I use a little bit of it. So um, <laughs> before we jump into it, Mikey, uh, give the folks maybe a brief bio of yourself, just kind of an overrun of who you are. And, uh, and then we'll jump into a few things. Sure. Uh, like you said, I'm, I'm Mikey. I do a morning show uh, with my, my wife, Mike, there it is. Mikey and the Misses, weekday mornings from 6 to 10. Uh, and uh, we have not we have an awful lot of fun uh, doing that. Where I'm from, I'm originally from Michigan. Ooh, I'm Grew from Ohio. There. We're these Midwesterners. There you go. Been, I've been to Cedar Point several times Ooh. Uh, and yeah, yeah. absolutely love it. So we, we probably have matching damage. Um, uh, being from Michigan was uh, raised LDS and... Um, all of the fun things that come with turning down soda uh, grow, growing up in the Midwest. And uh, yeah, uh, what, what else do you need to know? Uh, went, went to high school in Las Vegas at a performing arts academy and went to school at Southern Utah University and also at what used to be Dixie State University, is now Utah Tech. And uh, met a girl, uh, married her, and here I am. Five awesome. kids and, and and a morning show. A little bit of trauma later, and here you are. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. So Just like up, everybody up, else. Yeah. Up at the in the beginning there, I, I threw a picture up of Mick Foley, the wrestler, Matt Foley, the Chris Farley character. Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna ask you if you relate to either of those. You knew both of but I threw them up. You knew who both of those folks were. Of course. I'm just curious if you watched a lot of wrestling growing up when you were a kid. Yeah, who didn't, man? Yeah, like in too, the 80s, everybody was into wrestling. I mean, yeah. like, uh, you would always find that one rich friend and you would go to his house and they had a WrestleMania pay-per-view. Yeah. And uh, I still vividly remember watching Hulk Hogan uh, beat Andre the Giant in WrestleMania. And that was like a really big deal. That wasn't the most beautiful body slam, but he did get him up there. He, he, he did it. And uh, no, Mick Foley, sure. Uh, being completely unhinged and starving for attention. Yeah, I totally get that. Uh, Chris Farley is a absolute hero of mine. 
there's never been a time where I have not laughed my brains out watching Tommy Boy, which takes place in beautiful Sandusky, Ohio. So. Only in concept, by the way. The the actual city was not Sandusky, Ohio, but that was what the movie portrayed it as. Our airport wasn't near that nice. It was it was like an open cornfield. It was like the field in Delta that President Nelson's plane landed in. Was yeah. was was sort of kind of how our airport was in uh, Sandusky, Ohio. Tiny little, uh, you know, single engine planes, one propeller. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep i remember sandusky pretty well <laughs> yep so uh do you have a lot of fun at cedar point do you have a favorite ride there uh i remember going on the gemini and then wondering mm. if i would live not just because <laughs> not because it was scary but because it was in such ill repair like yeah if, people that are watching most likely you have not been to cedar point but if you ever want to wonder if these are the last moments of your life go on the <laughs> gemini it was wood and it was rotted and it was old. And it, this was back in the nineties. This was rotted and old and it would shake you around so violently that you wondered if you would die. It was amazing. Yeah. Was they've, awesome. they've added a bigger wooden coaster, the mean streak. And then they've, they've updated yeah. both of them. So they're even more scary than they were then. Uh huh. Um, one of the first coasters I, again, we'll get here into some of these questions, but one of the first coasters that I rode, I wasn't really a roller coaster kid. I was sort of scared of them. Mm-hmm. And my mom takes me to Cedar Point one day with my cousin and my aunt. And we get on the, the uh, corkscrew, I believe it was. Uh-huh. And my mom's like, no, no, look, look, it's not going to be that bad. Let's get on. So she gets in, I get in, I pull the thing down, you know, the, the lap bar that clicks into place and there's no taking that yeah. Son of a gun off when that thing yeah. clicks. Game over now. You can't. My my mom bailed. My mom got her booty out of the out of the out of the roller coaster cart, and she said, "Oh no no no, I'm too scared. I can't do this." And she that got up. Dirty rat. And then suddenly it's like, "We'll see you back here in two minutes." And <laughs> Horrible. That is so mean. That's wrong. It's wrong. Well, I remember going God with my friends. I would go with my friends, and it was always this weird mind game all day long of making your friends and yourself psyched up to go on to rides that you did not want to go on but you didn't want to seem like a coward and and you wanted to make sure that the most cowardly person in the group goes on the roller coaster so you would lie to them much like your mother did to you yeah 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 she scammed me um do you have any jokes about Michigan and Ohio? Like, like we have one where we used to, people would say, like, how do I get to Michigan? You go, oh yeah, you go, you go west until you smell it. And then north until you step in it. And uh, I assume you guys had kind of the same sort of stuff going on. It was on. the exact same joke, but reverse. <laughs> we were not very creative in Michigan. I'll, I will say or that we're not, we're not known for our creativity uh, so much as just our factory working mentality. Um, yeah. But no, yeah. For the longest time, I genuinely believed that Ohio was an inferior place filled with very stupid, dirty, disgusting human beings. And you would be right. And <laughs> yeah, but so was Michigan. So, so was, was the they were, it was a wash. It was a neutral tie. I know. It was so awesome. They both had bad football teams. They <laughs> both uh, didn't do that great at baseball. I had a friend uh, I worked with yeah. in Port Clinton, Ohio, who joked around that the Pistons were his favorite team and he had a piston hat, piston pants, piston shoes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah anyway. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Piston pants. Yeah, I get it. All right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, did, I got it. I got you. <laughs> Good. Sweet. Yeah. Um, the reason I wanted to have you on is because I, I think you're 
really smart. I think that you have a lot of life experience behind you that has really shaped your nuanced view of the world, uh, your ability to poke fun at things, the religious faith that we both uh, come from, uh, a little bit of humor there. I see your show. You you really don't, you really find it, uh, you really make use of kind of the absurdity sometimes of how we humans do things. And, and you seem to see that really easily. And I thought it'd be fun to have you on and have a conversation. So uh, let's sure. jump into it. One of the things that we all experience is trauma. Um, when your when your mom gave birth to you, both of you experienced trauma. It's inevitable. There's no way to get through this life without getting some. And and, yeah. and yet, some of it's unnecessary. People are often hurting each other and and causing harm. In, you know, on this side of life, I really want to try to reduce that. And I'm just wondering, maybe, what are some of your thoughts on the topic of trauma? You know, I kind of struggle with that, uh, just because maybe it's my Midwest mentality uh, in the in the macho ness of uh, you know suck it up and get over it, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, I'm I'm seeing the word trauma an awful lot, and I'm I'm kind of conflicted by it because yeah. if you look on on if you look on TikTok, you'll be under the impression that absolutely everyone is just experiencing a roller coaster of trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma. But I look at it as a 44-year-old native Midwesterner, and I go, no, that's not trauma. That's a bummer. That, that's a Wednesday that's, for you. It's <laughs> a bummer, dude. That's not trauma. Because for some reason, I've got this bar in my head of what constitutes trauma. And it's, and it's pretty high in comparison to what the next generation has. Um, so, you know, unless it's like blatant abuse or you watched your dad, you know, burn to death, I, it's pretty hard to call something trauma for me, you know, but I do understand where they're coming from. Stay, save your comments, save your emails. I, I know I am not qualified. You can email Michael Foley at their trauma at is. You, know, you can email Michael Foley at Michael Foley at Jeep. No, I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, I'm on the radio. I deal with complaints a lot. All the time. Yeah. So it, it's a normal kind of a thing. But but anyway, I, I, I'm kind of conflicted about Do you ever find that to be true? Do, do you ever find yourself looking at, at someone talking about trauma and going, oh, that's not so bad? You know, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So I'm probably on the other side of the spectrum. So first off, my life has been pretty easy. And, uh, if somebody said like, Hey, would you go back and do it all over again? I would no questions asked. Let's just do it all over again. I'll take the bumps I got because the fun was worth it. Mm -hmm. But there is something about when human beings, um, when human beings put their own needs in front of other people to the point where they let other people incur infractions. And sometimes those are minor and, you know, we deal with that, but I probably have a much lower bar for what is what I would consider trauma. Not that like I go like lowercase T and capital T trauma. I understand the difference, but I really want to make room for people who are marginalized and yeah. even sort of small ways to go like, that wasn't fair. That, that wasn't appropriate. Yeah. Like, that person shouldn't have done that to you. And, I'm really sorry you had to incur that. And I do think that a lifetime of even those little acts can add up. Yeah. Well, and, and that that's the thing is that, and that's why I say that I struggle with it. I think if I were just a, a, a D bag, I would just look at it and, and go, Oh 
get over it, you know, whiny little turds. But I struggle with it because I look at it and go, well, that's not fair of me. I am not qualified to tell other people what counts as trauma and what what doesn't, you know, but it does take a while for me to unwind that that head trash and go, okay, let me be more because I want to be an empathetic person like more than any, I, I want to understand the other side of, of things all the time, you know? Um, yeah. Tra- trauma is, is, is a tough part of that stuff. It could also be the problem that I have giant thick stone walls around my feelings. <laughs> that might heard, be it. I've heard that about you. Very I think you yourself admitted that at a tall. party we were at very thick walls and that's why i don't want to go near any kind of psychedelics because i have spent so much time and effort building these walls that i don't want to see these beautiful stone structures falling and especially not in front of other people you know what i mean like like that's i'm going to be completely honest i know that this podcast is all about people who have have become enlightened and on their journeys and everything like that great (laughs) I am going to go ahead and be that person that if somebody is listening right now can relate to <laughs> that has not been able to go through all of that journey and is terrified of starting. Uh, that that's partly me. Yeah. Do you think you use, so again, you're, you're hilarious and and I think you're quick witted, like your ability, I, you know, I sat at a party with you maybe a year or two ago and, we're sitting around a backyard and just how fast your mind works. I deeply appreciate it as somebody who I think, I think I'm intelligent. I think I'm articulate. Uh, I really impressed with your quick wittedness and humor. And I'm just curious, man, any thoughts you have maybe like is humor is humor, maybe a way to avoid sometimes the serious things that are going on around you. A coping mechanism. Yeah. You know, 100%. Yes. I think I developed it and hey, look at that. You got me talking about trauma. Nice job. I think I kind of developed that. My parents got a divorce when Ooh. I was uh, pretty young. Capital and T trauma. It, it, it sucked. It, it was, yeah. It wasn't it, burning. It was, it wasn't burning no, in a building or anything, but it's burned to death. He just left. No. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it, my, my parents got a divorce uh, and they would argue. just left. <laughs> my, my parents would argue a lot. Like they, and they they tried to keep it from me and everything like that. But some stuff you just can't hide. You can tell that there's tension in the room. And there was always a lot of tension between my mom and my dad, my my sister and my dad, my sister and my mom, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And me being the youngest, I was pretty good at din- at the dinner table, just cracking people up and breaking that tension. Uh, to this day, I hate conflict and tension like i will like other people love watching reality shows my stomach gets tied and not i can't watch reality shows they make me sick same thing with um what do you call it uh like hidden camera shows can't do it i get so uncomfortable i need to leave the room i hate it i hate conflict and uh, 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 i hate it and so I, I think at a very early age, I learned how to diffuse situations using comedy. And I had a lot of bullies. And I found that it's really hard to punch someone when they're making you laugh. It, once I broke them, they started laughing. They're like, I can't 
I can't beat up this kid anymore. And then they would leave and it worked really well, you know? So yes, coping mechanism, hundred percent, Mr. Real. That is is something I do. I, when you said like, I can't watch, uh, certain types of things on television because you don't want to feel the the drama of that. And I'm the opposite. Like I want to sit with the the drama TV shows. And I even like make an effort in my head to really get in their space. I can't remember what the name of the show was, but it was this corporate business uh, atmosphere. Oh, I forget what the name of it was, but we watched all seven seasons of it. And every episode. Oh yeah. That's the one that I'm staying away from. Yeah. Succession. Because everybody tells me about how much drama and how much. Oh, you got to feel it. Every episode as they try to cover their ass and get the business to be in under their leadership. It is, it is nonstop having to manipulate and finagle the world around you. And it, it's heavy and and you just stay away from stuff. And I just want to, I want to climb in there and just sort of feel what they're feeling and kind of think about it from their perspective. Well, you know, what's bonkers. I can, I can watch breaking bad till the cows come home. I freaking love breaking bad. I think it's the best. What's the difference? I'll tell you what the difference is. The difference is that in breaking bad, he is dealing with problems. Like how do I get away with this crime? How do I kill this person and get away with it? How do I blah, 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 blah. But the minute he starts fighting with his wife, I got to fast forward it. I don't like that. The domestic disputes are not allowed here. Nope. That's not going to. Is is that the tip of a much bigger iceberg? Yes, it is. Sounds like you may. Yeah, you may need some therapy, <laughs> maybe years of it. Who knows? This is what but, sucks is that uh, we have a mutual friend who is my sister-in-law and she's going to school to be a therapist. And she loves nothing more than to break down people's walls and just pop the hood and like get in there. And uh, once she gets close, she can tell <laughs> that I go. Yeah, well, uh, let's make jokes. Let's you shut down. Together. Let's laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask you. You know, in the in the world of like, there's religion and there's spirituality in religion, mm-hmm. and, and there's also sort of spirituality outside of it. And I, I think you do a, a beautiful job of kind of mixing those two worlds. I'm just curious, in terms of like practices or tools that you have that you think are kind of effective at um getting better at being a human being trying to yeah. show up tomorrow better than you were yesterday uh any thoughts about what you've done yeah. in your life to kind of create understanding or being able to see issues from the other person's side yeah um yeah here here's here's one of those things that i've i've kind of done Go, going back to the the idea that i hate conflict a lot and i'm a very conflict averse just kind of a person um i am always looking to make sure everybody in the room is having a good time Mm. that's when i'm most happy and so for example um we found on google trends what people google when it comes to mikey and the missus And the number one thing that people Google is, is Mikey and the Mrs. Mormon. The second one are Mikey and the Mrs. Active LDS. The third one is, uh, I lied. There is no third one. It was just those. Uh, That is what people (laughs) are asking all the time. And here's the the problem. Um, 
And I, I am happy to, I will address this in the most nuanced way possible just to get it all out there. Uh, and this is my choice here, uh, is if someone goes on the internet and they say, I am an ex-Mormon, then all of the current Mormons will be suspicious of everything that falls out of that person's mouth. They will see it as, a, as an attack. If I go on there and say, I am an uh, a active member, now all of the ex-Mormons will assume that I am an absolute idiot. And so there is no winning there. I am Can't on make the them all happy. There's no way to make everybody happy. And no. that's my number one goal in life. And so if you have 50% of your audience hate your guts, that's not good to be on the radio in Southern Utah. Now, what am I? I am a person who worships according to the dictates of his own conscience and affords every man and woman the same. I've That's heard that what before. I am. Yeah. And, and do I get into the details? No, because it fixes nothing with anybody. The thing is, is that I want everybody to just have a good time. And so when you see that I'm making these, these videos, like your mama's so Mormon and, and things like that, you will notice that I am making fun of culture and I am not attacking what someone would consider to be sacred. Do I have strong opinions about these things? Absolutely. But there is a time and place. And I'm not interested in burning down someone's house just in order to have fun. That, that, that's just not my jam. You know what I mean? And so I know this had nothing to do with your question, but I'm getting that out of the way. And I'm saying uh, I like to be as empathetic as possible with other people. I think it's very easy to look at something like politics, for example. It is so easy and so lazy to look at somebody who believes something differently than you and just pass them off as absolute morons. But what, and it's funny and it's fun and it's got its time and it's got its place and, and everything like that. But I get a kick out of stopping and going, why do you think that? And that is so exciting for me. That is like the, the spice of life for me. It is when I can sit down with somebody and I can go, that I have never thought of it that way. Please explain to me why you think birds are not real. You know, like, like whatever it is, I need to know this. You know, yeah. like, this is fascinating. And so I think a sense of curiosity has really, really helped. Uh, and my job has really, really helped because it has forced me not to be a dick. That's the greatest thing about my job is, is that I want to bring people together and have a good time. And it's really hard to do that if you're being a jerk and you're putting somebody down or punching down. And I think if I didn't have this job, I probably would have fallen into that when I'm going through my faith crisis, when I was going through you know, a lot of these different things. And, and figuring out the world. But this job forcing me to be civil, uh, what a blessing. What a blessing. Because I, uh, I, I could very easily just destroy every relationship I have if I didn't think, is that smart to say on Facebook? Is that wise to say on Facebook? You know what I mean? Just, that's, 
let's be nicer, and then just save it for when I'm at a party with Bill Real in the backyard. <laughs> and then I can say whatever I want. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you ever find that your empathy maybe gets in the way of your own needs or insecurities being taken care of? Of course. Um, yeah. And speaking of, of free therapy, I mean, going back to divorce again, um, me and my mom moved out to Las Vegas just by ourselves because the other two were grown. And I quickly assumed the role of the guy who had to take care of mom. Even though she was an adult and stuff like that, but emotionally I had to take care of mom. And mm. I find myself filling that role all the time. And, and to the point where, here, here's a very simple example. Every year my wife says, what do you want for Christmas? And I have no idea. Because I don't know. I'm not thinking about that. All I'm thinking about is my next video, my next show, uh, how to edit something on YouTube uh, correctly, and things like that. I'm not thinking about myself that much. Um, but I am thinking, is my wife happy with me? I'm always thinking that all the mm -hmm. time, all day long. Uh, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, but no, I'm, I, yeah, it's, it's tricky. Do you ever struggle with that? Um, yes, but not, not the way that we're talking about. I mean, I, I also try to be really empathetic. I, when I sit in a room with people, I also like to joke a lot and I want, I don't believe in political correctness. Like everybody gets to be made fun of, including yeah. me. Yeah. And, uh, but also you can see moments where somebody nicks somebody else. And I try to be aware of those moments and address it in a way that's not a, a dick to the person who maybe unintentionally messed up Yeah. or, and I also want to protect kind of the feelings of the person who just got nicked. Um, yeah. so not, not necessarily in the way, like I'm not in, I'm not in experiences taking care of others and feeling like I'm sort of left out. Uh, but I, it sounds to me like you are much more strong in doing that act and hence your needs might get left a little more by the wayside. And I think it's fascinating as you point to your parents' divorce and sort of the mechanism that you were thrown into, like, here's what we now do for this family is I, I help mom to be able to hold her emotion and hold space for how she feels and mm -hmm. to be sort of a shoulder for her to lean on. And then you go out into the adult world and you find it's a skill set that you take with you. But in part, getting your own needs sort of left by the wayside at times. And you said you find joy in helping the whole room to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's an interesting irony. <laughs> is that, is that the yeah. right word? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a much uh, better way to say that I'm screwed up. Uh, oh, I, I think we all are. <laughs> everybody is, but yeah, there, there's that obsession with, making sure everybody else is taken care of before I am, which is weird because I think a lot of people would consider me to be a rather selfish person, but I'm, I'm selfish in the other way of, well, yeah, I'm selfish, but I really, really want people to like me. You know what I mean? That, that's, yeah. 
that's a big thing. Of course, that really helps in my job because that's my job is for people to be likable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as putting my needs out there, I'm half the time I don't even know what they are yeah. outside of like physical, like, like urges. Yeah. Like food and sex. Yeah. I'm always those. aware of those. I'm always <laughs> aware of when I want that. Yeah. But if, as far as everything else, I don't, I don't have the first idea until I have to really think about it. I find that fascinating. And I think most of us do some of that to some extent where we really don't even know who we are inside sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I worry a lot in this space about the abuse of myths. Um, you look at what's going on in the Middle East right now, and they are literally fighting over like 1.4 miles of width of land yeah. in a small stretch along the, the sea. Yeah. And yeah. they will blow each other up to move that line three inches. Mm-hmm. And thousands and thousands of young men will die so yeah. that a few people at the top or, you know, organizing these attacks on one side or defending themselves on the other, mm-hmm. depending on who you believe. Yeah. Um, myth stories can be so utilized to cause harm. If you can convince yeah. a room of people to believe some extreme thing. Yeah. And to some degree, I mean, even within our own religious history, you look at things like Mountain Meadows Massacre, for instance. Yep. Oh, yeah. And you can yeah. see that play out. And so... I want to see maybe what your thoughts are. There's this balance. Cause I, I don't think we can live without myth. Mm-hmm. And I think some myths really only work if we sort of believe in them, even though they're not exactly true and they can be easily corrupted and used to cause significant harm. And I'm just I'm curious, maybe what your thoughts are on the kind of walking that fine line between I'm going to have myths in my life. I'm going to use them yeah. and I'm going to, use these tools to sort of decide that some of these are too extreme and I'm just not going to do that. You know, I, I've given this stuff a, a lot of thought. One thing that is absolutely fascinating is, uh, I remember, uh, I don't remember where I was seeing it. Uh, and I could be completely wrong, but the way that the Greeks saw all of their pantheon of, of gods and stuff like that, they had myths and they said they lived in Mount Olympus and things like that, but then nobody took it literally, mm. right? They, they, they were all just like, oh yeah, and so-and-so lives over there and so-and-so is the God of this and this and the, the other thing, but they didn't take it seriously uh, as being literal. And man, that's a healthy way to go. <laughs> because mm. once everything becomes literal and real, that that's... I love superheroes. I love Batman, Spider-Man, Superman. I could tell you everything about their histories, about uh, the storylines and everything like that. I don't believe that these things are real. And I think when I was going through my faith crisis, it, it, it was so much of, okay, what is real and what is myth? What is a lesson and what is absolutely true? And, you know... Adam and Eve and Noah's Ark and all of this kind of stuff that just didn't have any kind of proof at all. And it, and it, it blows up everything when you're taught that something is literal all the time, you know? And I remember I'm kind of skipping all over the place. Sorry. It's called deficit disorder. Google it. 
And I remember on, on my mission, uh, I went to Wisconsin. Yeah. Grew up in Michigan, went to Wisconsin. That was so not nice hey, of the church to do that to you. You lived in Michigan hey, and they just sent you to another state that was neutral to the quality of that state. It was so lame. The, like afterwards, like, you know how other people have like these big homecomings and stuff. It sucked. I called my dad and I was like, I'm done with my mission. Can you come pick me up now? He's like, yeah, sure. I'll be there in a bit. And he drove me and picked me up from the mission home. It was lame. Anyway. So I'm on my mission in Wisconsin and we're going to this giant, uh, uh, church on christmas and it's so amazing if you've ever been to a catholic mass on christmas dude it is the bomb it is so cool there's lit up candles all over the place and everything like that and i'm feeling the quote-unquote spirit very big mm. in, in in this thing and it starts messing with me a little bit uh but i remember being in there because you know catholics don't have the spirit everybody knows that so I'm there and I'm feeling these wonderful feelings and it's starting to mess with me. And I start to think, whoa, is religion mostly theater? Because mm. I was like a big theater guy and I still am. I love theater. And that started messing with me and going, oh, you can actually evoke feelings out of people using theater. And it doesn't matter if you use certain chords and, and stuff like that with music, you can get the exact feeling mm. that you need out of somebody. And you can use it to your advantage. Elevation emotion is easy to uh, to initiate. Oh, yeah, it is. It is so easy to initiate, especially if you are the one controlling the definition of that feeling uh, to somebody and say, oh, you feel that? You know what that is? That's the spirit trademark. So I'm there and and I think, oh, maybe it's theater. And then for many years later, I go, well maybe this is how I can deal with religion. Maybe if I just look at it as theater and that's fine. But then it dawns on me. Mm, the difference is, is that when I go to a play, Andrew Lloyd Webber is not telling me that he'll split up my eternal family. If I don't believe in singing cats. <laughs> so right. that's, that's where it crosses the line. That's where, that's where myth gets dangerous is when they say, okay, we've got all of these stories. We've got all these things that we cannot prove empirically. And now we're benefiting from it. And so that's, yes, myth is dangerous in, in many, many ways. It, it causes like the mountain meadows massacre. It causes these things like the, what's going on in the middle East and so on. Mm. And, uh, Batman has never demanded 10% of my income from me. Mm -hmm. uh, I pay far more than that in Batman Funkos, but I get, I know what I'm getting in return in this life, not the after one. So, you know, it works out. It, I, I don't know where I was going with all of that at all. That's, a, that's okay. I, I like it. Usually um, I cut to a commercial or a song when I start to ramble. <laughs> and right now I am completely off the rails. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. So not at all. I, I appreciate it. Um, it you're right. Like myth can be used again. We all have sort of an inner intuition about what is right and what is wrong. And, and in earlier stages of life, we maybe don't have quite the tools yet to really stand firm on what's right. We could easily maybe manipulate the world into 
what we'd like it to be. Hence, we act unhealthy and hurt others by trying to get the world in front of us that we want. Mm -hmm. And we tend to sort of kind of also really trust almost blindly everyone who tells us from an authority position what the truth is. And whatever message gets to us first, if you're raised in a home of Democrats, you're going to have a much more high propensity of being a Democrat or a liberal and and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so whoever gets to you first seems to have this kind of overwhelming kind of thing. And and what you point out is like this idea that when, when things are not demonstrable, which is one of my favorite words, Mm -hmm. when things are not demonstrable, when people go, I know you're feeling something inside that tells you that what I'm doing is wrong or what we're doing is wrong, but damn it, do exactly what we tell you to do or else you don't get the super special yeah. secret yeah. space in, in super special heaven. Right. You don't get to go to the VIP lounge. Yeah. And and I. You, you brought up an interesting point there. It, when. One of the biggest differences in my life has come from what I consider to be a sin and what I don't consider to be a sin. Before, I considered pretty much everything that was against whatever handbook was a sin. Nowadays, there needs to be a victim in order for me mm. to consider it a sin. Where's so touching the... yourself isn't a sin? No. <laughs> Setting myself Cause... on fire, yes. <laughs> now there's a victim. Uh, so, but you know what I, you know what I mean? Like there has to be a victim in order for it to be. Someone had to be hurt if nobody's hurt and it can't just be your opinion about what others should be or do that counts. Uh, No, sometimes they throw that out, right? Like, well, and this is the thing. If you want to worship squirrels in your basement, let freedom ring. But the minute that you go to a town hall and start to introduce legislation for the rest of us based on the things the squirrels told you in your basement, now we have a problem. Or or if you tie the squirrels up and you start pulling their fingernails out or something like that, (laughs) that shouldn't happen either. The the squirrel can also be a victim. There you go. But but in order for it to be a sin, there has to be a victim. And and that That has been a, a guiding force for me. Hmm. for a while now and and speaking of just i want to circle back really quick because you just reminded me of something did jesus die for my sins i don't know but i can tell you that the jesus that's in the new testament is my hero Hmm. and even if the even if i'm not sure if he's real or not doesn't matter because Batman isn't real, but he's my hero too. Now, when I look at Jesus and the example of Jesus and the things that he said, turn the other cheek, judge not lest ye be judged, uh, cast the first stone, uh, you know, don't cast the first stone, these kinds of things, man, this is good stuff. And I, I have no problem saying that Jesus is my hero. Whether or not he died for my sins, it doesn't matter. But that guy, that's my jam. That's my dude right there. You know? I uh, I, I try to imagine how much more effective Jesus would have been if he would have had an Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> if he had, you know, the ability to uh, right. utilize certain technology, you know? Right, right. 
we 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 ran out of wine. We just have water. Should I do the thing? Do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> do the thing. Um, it is it is sort of you know, and and we all sort of look at the other systems as crazy, right? Like the Scientologist yeah. looks at sure. the Mormon like they're crazy, and the Mormon looks at the Jehovah's Witnesses like they're crazy, and the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, look at the Scientologists like they're crazy, and right. we all have a little crazy. I we all have things in our life that we believe. Mm-hmm. that um turn out to not be true and yeah the arrogant certainty that some of us have it just it, it eventually that blind spot is going to hurt you or someone else and so i really like the kind of the message of just weed weed through it and not take any of this stuff for granted and use some common sense on how you use your beliefs to treat other yeah. people you know what? This is a perfect example. I was at uh, FanX, the Comic-Con up in Salt Lake. Mm. I was at FanX a few years ago, and I'm watching some Star Wars fans, which I am a part of the Star Wars fan community. But I'm watching a bunch of Star Wars fans nearly rip each other's eyeballs out, arguing about the finer details of the sequels, about Ray and, and stuff like that. They are losing their minds, Bill. I thought they were on the verge of a riot. They were absolutely frothing at the mouth, angry at each other over Star Wars. And me, an intellectual, I kind of was watching the whole thing, and I felt so much like going, y'all know none of that's real, right? Like, like none of it. Like, they were getting so worked up, and you're like, you realize the Death Star is actually just a soundstage in England? Like, that that's not, none of this is real. It's all fake. I'm George Lucas just pulled it right out of his butt. This is not real, you know? But people can get so worked up when they care too much about things that don't matter. You know what I mean? Just let it go, man let it go where's the victims there's nothing yeah you don't like the movie it's not the end of the world shut up you know and that's the same with religion just you can't prove any of this stuff so knock it off yeah we have one rule in our friend circles that's just don't be a dick and and to be a dick you have to have a victim right because you Mm -hmm. if you're not bothering anybody you get to be as weird as you want to be yep um Somebody actually pointed out the perfect definition of an a-hole. And I forgot who did it. But an a-hole is somebody who demands respect from someone without giving any respect. Mm. That's an a-hole. When he walks in the room and he thinks, you guys need to think I'm awesome, but I refuse to ever think you're awesome, that's an a-hole. Yeah. Respect is a two-way street. Amen. Amen. When you were talking about these guys at the Comic-Con convention, mm-hmm. uh, just about ready to get to fisticuffs, you know, mm-hmm. um, it reminds me, somebody said, you know, I've, I just, it feels like sometimes people are fighting over well, whether Bilbo Baggins can ride a bicycle, you know, because I don't think any <laughs> of the movies ever, none of the movies ever show him on a bicycle. And, you know, you can, de- you can debate these kinds of things till the, till the sun yeah. goes down, but. I believe that's called high priest quorum. <laughs> <laughs> when you get together, you start arguing about Kolob. None of y'all have been there. Knock yeah. it off. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea if it exists and if it does what it looks like. Yet you're taking another human being's word for it, and he wasn't there either. 
none of this is provable. <clears throat> Knock it off. Yeah. Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, Star Wars. Oh, play a long shot. Yeah, Star Trek is my. I, I didn't mind the Star Wars movies, all of them. They're they're all enjoyable. But mm-hmm. man, I'm much more a Star Trek guy. And I was in Ohio. They had a. I went to the mall in my hometown, and it changed quite a bit. One of the stores was solely a Star Trek merchandise store. You could buy uniforms. There was wow. a makeshift bridge that you could take get pictures on. They had. Uh, I think it was called the Virgin Mega Store. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so it was. It was they had like all the monitors in the store look like uh, the, uh, the like the, bridge. the display things from the bridge. Oh, yeah, that's so, cool. so I could turn like the AC up in the store, but it looked like I was about to transport somebody to yeah to a Klingon planet. But you know, you get people like you said, people debate like whether Klingon is the better language than the Ferengis. You know, and get a life it's, it's, <laughs> for all those watching. If you have any degree of belief, again, you're welcome to them. Sure, We're, neither one of us is saying like, hey. Your belief is nonsense. But if you get into an argument with somebody else about your belief or that yours is right and theirs is wrong when really they're both absurd to some degree, at least on the surface. Opinions, yeah. And especially if you use your beliefs to hurt others, which I've seen so many times in my life where because I'm so certain my system is true, I get to use the rules of my system to knock the rest of you down. Yeah. And it just seems so unhealthy. middle school in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah. Like like in middle school it's uh your pants are look stupid to me therefore you're stupid therefore we're going to shun you you're stupid pants boy and then now you're stupid pants boy all year long. That there's there's no lanes of opinion and fact. It's all just melded together until their brains develop later on. You know, if if you're in middle school and you go, oh, you like pickles? I've had pickles. Pickles are gross. You like gross things. You're an idiot. That's yeah. it. It's also Fox yeah. News. But you've got, <laughs> you've also got. <laughs> or you're not MSNBC, hurting our demographic. Save your stuff. So, uh, but then there's, you know, when you get older in college, somebody goes, oh, I like pickles. And you go, oh, I'm not a fan. End of, con- that's the end of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there are so many people that are stuck in that middle school mentality of, you know, Ohio sucks. Michigan sucks. Yeah. It <laughs> makes me wonder Stop. if the bully in school is really he's got his own issues at home. He he's looking for his own sense mm-hmm. of security, confidence, well-being and sort of yeah. takes it out on the next person because he's not getting that need met on his own. It makes me wonder if yeah. the adults who use their uncertain their certainty about uncertainties are also sort of struggling inside to just feel secure in their own world. And, and maybe it's a reflection of their own sort of voids or emptinesses or blind spots. Well, my mom used to be a teacher. And uh, when she came home from parent teacher conferences, I really wish she would start drinking because it would have really helped. Uh, (laughs) But she just get bludgeoned at these, these parent teacher conferences uh, but she did tell me one thing. She goes, I don't even have to look at the papers to find out whose kid belongs to what parents. As soon as they walk into the room, just a vibe check. Boom. She could tell right off the bat because they were just, that's how you pass your generational trauma, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, 
it's like almost inevitable. But yeah. Yep. Uh, we had a, a teacher in school, a science teacher, and he would walk on the insides of his feet. And we thought, man, like he must have had like a birth defect or something when he was born. Mm-hmm. Couldn't figure out like why he did that. And then I was a senior in high school and his kid became a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. And his kid walked the same way, you know, like, oh, we just do what our parents do. And yeah, yeah, not just our not just our personality traits, but often our mannerisms. And, uh, you know, the kid must have been like, well, that's yeah. how dad walks. So when I take my first steps, <laughs> I've often thought it would be so cool to get a time machine and then just go and have dinner with the Foley family in Ireland, <laughs> you know, generations ago. You'd see it, wouldn't you? You'd see parts of you. Yeah, just to sit at the dinner table and just watch and go, oh, that's where dad got it. You know, oh, okay. That exact same stupid joke has been passed down for how long? You know, or or just the way that they treat each other. Culture, what, what, what is this thing? Culture is like water to a fish. You don't notice it until it's gone. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, until you're in another culture, you don't even notice you have a culture. It, yeah. It's so ingrained in you, you know. Mm. As, mm. as a wedding officiant, I see it all the time. One half of the room doesn't laugh at the joke. The other half does. The yeah. next joke, that half laughs. The other half doesn't. You know, it, yeah. it's just crazy how mm. we pass this crap on. That's something we both do. Uh me only recently, but we're both wedding officiants and uh, yeah. I, you've been very helpful by the way. I early on in this kind of space reached out to you and just asked for your advice and mm-hmm. thoughts and uh, deeply appreciate you being helpful. It's, it's given me the chance to skip a few mistakes. So I appreciate you. It's pretty darn fun. Yeah. You, you're doing really good at that, by the way. I, I really think you've sort of set yourself up as like the top one or two, you know, officiant in Southern Utah. And I just, I think you, have a real knack for kind of standing up in front of people and well that's kind of like theater, being the world's you know? tallest smurf though you know it's, it's, it's top officiant there's like six of us <laughs> oh i think there's more than that but but yeah i think you just do a hell of a good job um your reviews are great anyway folks if you're getting married anyway. in southern utah and you don't want bill real to do it have michael foley <laughs> yeah and if you don't want me get bill real there you go that works um, I want to talk for a moment about reality. I've spent a lot of time in the last year. This is not, this was not my wheelhouse at all. Still mm-hmm. not, but at least it's my interest now. I've been thinking about things like quantum mechanics. Again, I'm not science minded in these fields. So I, I watch YouTube videos on some of the experts and it's interesting as they debate what is reality. And mm-hmm. they're all saying right now to some degree that, and the one guy puts it this way, Donald Hoffman says that our eyes are like a VR headset. Inevitably, what really is in front of us is not what we see. And, and most of us go like, ah, oh, that's ridiculous. I, I see the world as it is. Here's a table. I know mm-hmm. that. I know that's a table. But we also, if you just take a moment and you go, um, I know that every other species sees the world different than me. I know dogs see sense things that I don't see or sense. Yeah. I know that cats see and sense things that I don't see or sense. Right. They have a capacity that I'm missing and it's easy to go like, Oh, dogs see in black and white and cats see in green and yellow. That really misses the mark. They might have some limitations we don't have. They also have other perceptions we are completely missing. And once you understand that you realize that in whatever reality is, we are not seeing reality as it is 
And I'm and not that you need to follow up and talk about it from that point of view, but I do want to ask, have there been moments in your life where you've had to like stop and go like, hmm, that doesn't work the way I thought it would, and your sense of reality changed or shifted? Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. I feel like I should have taken an edible about an hour and a half ago for this. Uh <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've heard lovely things. Anyway, so I think the there's the, no victim. <laughs> <laughs> there's no victim. If you do it in the privacy of your own home, sitting there's on the no couch, maybe no. I wasn't driving. There's um, no victim. But uh, man, reality. Um, this is your question, by the way. I I assumed yeah. you'd. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. For some reason I, I forgot all about it. Um. You know, there there are many times that jolt you out of reality. One of those, have you ever been in a car accident? Um, yes, minor ones though. But okay. yes, I, I can certainly speak to what you're about to say. But but quickly right after a car accident, there's this, mm. this strange feeling that you have. Like, is this real? You're you're questioning. Is this a dream right now? Is it? Did this actually really happen just now? I've been in car accidents where I got hit by a truck while I was on a scooter, and I went flying through the air and tumbled. And, blah, 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 and uh, I remember being on the pavement, looking around through my helmet, and just going, "Did that just really happen?" There's many times in 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 life that are kind of like that. Um, one, I, I got a divorce before. I kind of skipped over that little thing. When I was uh, young, I got married, and the marriage was only about a year and a half long. And uh, everything that I knew about marriage was wrong. <laughs> I had always been, I, I always thought, if I'm just making everybody happy all the time, if I'm paying the bills, if I'm doing, you know, what I need to be doing in that, that the rest of the details will just take care of themselves. And I was completely wrong. And there's lots of times in life where you, where something happens, like a, your wife may tell you that it's over and you just didn't see it. And you just, but only in the aftermath, when you look back and you go, oh, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh that happens when you have an argument with somebody. Have you ever had this happen where maybe you're in a fight with your wife? I know you have the perfect marriage and you've never had an argument, but try to imagine it, Bill. That you've had an argument with your wife and for a while there you're going, "What's her deal?" You know what I mean? You're like, "I'm not wrong. I'm not going to apologize for this. Yeah. She's the crazy one." And you're like, "No, no, no, no." no, no, no. But you have to think about it long and hard, and you go, oh, 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 now I know where she got that. Now I know where, oh, I completely forgot that. You know, so much of reality is us just being locked in our own heads. And sometimes it takes a lot to get out of our own heads. And that's the mm. best way that I can think of it. I spend a lot of time trapped in my own head, mm. like a lot mm -hmm. of time. I will go, uh, here's, here's one that sucks. My wife will send me uh, a text message uh, at, you know, 
two o'clock in the afternoon or something. And I realized that I haven't talked to her since that morning. She hasn't even crossed my mind because I'm editing a YouTube video or something like that. And boy, that sucks. When you get a, a text message that says, where are you? That's really scary. Or uh, did you remember that we have a recital today for one of our kids and I didn't know? You know, just always being trapped in my own head is like one of my biggest enemies. Do you, do you struggle with that? All the time. Yeah, I, I am kind of the absent-minded professor. I'm the guy who, if I'm editing a YouTube video, I'm also sort of OCD about this thing has to get done completely before I can leave it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, and I've heard women, I've heard several women in recent weeks, months, complain about the fact that us guys, maybe it's a guy thing. I don't want to justify it in any way because I think it's not mm -hmm. a good behavior but sort of allow the day to go by where we kind of compartmentalize our day. We're doing the things we need to get done. Mm -hmm. We'll get back to the home, the family, the wife, when we get off work and get back to the house, but sort of don't really think about all the other facets of our life. Yeah. So like you say, when that text comes in to realize like, Oh, like I haven't we, I really have paid any attention to the person who should be and is the most important person in my life. We went on a cruise, me and my wife. And she's like, I miss the kids. And I, I kid you not, Bill, in that moment, I thought, oh, yeah, I have kids. <laughs> yes. I wasn't even drunk. I was mm -hmm. just like, I was just away from them long enough. So I was like, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I don't miss anything. I'm not even thinking about anything. And I've told my wife many times, I'm not stupid. I'm simple. There's a difference. Like, they're yeah. really, I'm not a dumb guy. I, it's just when I'm looking at this thing, everything else is gone. It is you know, it, that, yeah. it's that whole hyper-focusing thing. It does suck. And I apologize. And, for my and it's gotten me in the doghouse a few times. It sounds like it's gotten you in the doghouse a few times. I think that we humans shouldn't make excuses for it, that we really do need to work on changing so that we don't do that thing where we block out the rest of the world because everyone else is still living their life with us as a part of it. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Um, you're a really creative person. I also see you as somebody who's experienced personal growth, life growth. I think sometimes those things can go hand in hand. I think sometimes they can, just like the subject we just talked about, I think sometimes creativity can get in the way of our relationships. Um, curious your thoughts on how to blend creativity with personal growth and also if you have any thoughts maybe on how creativity can be a distraction sometimes well yeah like i like i was just saying my i when i think of the perfect situation heaven i mean like a heavenly feeling right i think of that state of flow mm. that you can get into right now it's editing videos but before that it was you know mixing sound for the radio or yeah. coming up with the perfect thumbnail or, or the perfect banner yeah. or 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 whatever i can relate to all of this i just lose myself in that stuff mm. and it is pure heaven it is the most fun i have with my pants still on that is <laughs> 
the most fun that I could possibly have with clothes on. It, it, it's so much fun. And, uh, but it's through that creativity that I can express myself and that I can uh, find things and go down a YouTube rabbit hole of watching Conan O'Brien's best bits or David Letterman or something like that. I, I just, I, I love doing that kind of stuff. And I would say that's, that's where I find, I think from the outside, it looks like I'm just wasting time. I think from the outside, it just looks like I'm doing nothing. But really, that's where I find my meaning. A lot of the time, you know, yeah. that that's where I've grown. And if I can look at something that I've made a year ago and it sucks, that's a pretty good feeling because it means that I've I've gotten better mm. at something. It means that I've I've I've, I've gotten better. Some things I, I'll never even try, but I just like to watch other people do really well, like woodworking videos. I don't watch that crap all day. I like watching somebody like sand a chair and like make it into something amazing. I love that crap. I'll never do it, but I love watching it. I love mm -hmm. watching people create something out of nothing. And that's what I like to do, whether it's a, a stupid YouTube video or a, or a TikTok or with the radio show. If I can make somebody giggle on their way to work, that that's where I find meaning, you know, much the same. If, if I'm creating an episode for one of the podcasts, specifically when I cover like uh, religious history, mm -hmm. Mormon history, when I can dive into a topic and just be let free for two or three days to go scour <laughs> all the sources on the internet and find two or three things that no one else ever knew about. Yeah. No one else ever yeah. seen. And I get the chance yeah. to figure out how do I want to present this to an audience so that they can uh, wrap their head around this new idea, get a chuckle, get informed, have an insight. Um, it it feels like magic. And, you know, I've heard it referred to as the flow before. And there's something that we humans on some level chase that, right? Like mm -hmm. we've been trying to survive for millions of years as human beings. We really aren't made to sit on our laurels and just be okay with the way life is. In fact, the people who experience most easily depression, not across the board. I don't want to sit here and say a blanket statement, but it feels as though often it's people who have their basic needs met, have plenty of time on their hands, and they're really not required to, to do something. So again, yeah. I've had kids before who suffer from depression and uh, because they really don't feel there's anything in the world that needs them and having some sort of cause, something you need to get up in the morning and do it. In fact, you can look at it from the other side of the coin people in third world or underdeveloped countries who are struggling to make ends meet, struggling to make the next meal work or often studies show often have no time to even think about things like depression or yeah. suicidal ideology. Yeah. It, it, it really is a focus of those of us who have our basic needs met and don't feel needed in the world. And so you often see people sort of figure out what their cause is in the world, how they're going to use their creative power and do some good in the world. And that brings them. Most of those folks reply of being like the most alive they've ever been when they get a chance to do something that they think is useful and uh, helpful to the rest of humanity. Do you ever feel uh, like a guilt about being sad? I, I get this. You brought up an, an interesting kind of a thing mm. because I have this. I, I struggle with depression. I, I, I take pills for, for depression and I have for many years and probably always will. But one thing when I'm really depressed, this little guilt thing comes into my head 
going back to that uh the Foley family in Ireland yeah many, many yeah. years ago put your bootstraps on boy get yeah. out there plow the yeah. field if I was in there and I was just like <laughs> oh I don't know I just don't feel happy it would be like who does <laughs> You're like what do you mean happy shut up it's like I just had a kid starve to death like shut up about you're happy you know what i mean and and that i it fights with it like it's such a i don't feel happy is such a first world problem where you know the majority of humanity right now doesn't have time to think about am i happy they're trying to think am i gonna live today yeah. you know what i mean and yeah. and so there's that guilt of oh i'm depressed oh but i don't have a right to be depressed now i'm even more depressed Oh, little Foley, don't be kissing the Blarney Stone. Get your ass off the couch and go plow the field. Are you so sad? Eat a potato. <laughs> That's just it. You know, like, like two and a half meals a day was just potatoes. I mean, <laughs> quit complaining. Right. But you're right. It There certainly is a propensity to feel shame or guilt or one of those sorts of feelings when when you don't feel okay about things. Yeah. And it certainly does seem, as you point out, it certainly seems to be a generational lowercase T, maybe uppercase T, maybe trauma yeah. that was passed on to you that made us all feel like we're not allowed to complain. And we grew up, you know, I grew up in the 1980s. I think the 1980s were marvelous. I don't think there's a better decade to have grown up as a kid uh, than the eighties, maybe the nineties, but the eighties and nineties felt great. Yeah. And uh, even then though, no one talked about their feelings. I, I, when I have conversations with my friends about deep topics, I, I'm constantly made aware in my head that my parents and their friends and their siblings they were close to when they got together, they never had these conversations about how everybody was handling problems and what people's feelings were and how well, hard life is. Men. Especially mm. the men. Like we, we, we grew up in the same uh, machismo society. I'm 45, by the way. How old are you? I'm 44. We're 44. right there. See? Same age. And so I remember, you know, the, dude, I was into Pee Wee Herman, mm. right? I was in band. Mecca, I was in high, Mecca, Yeah. Mecca, Mecca, so I was, I was into all of that kind of stuff. Everybody else was into football. And in Michigan, you were in two categories. Either you were into football or you were gay and needed to be beat up for it. That was the 80s in the Midwest. And when I explain it to my wife, she doesn't believe me. She grew up in Utah where people are nice to your face. Uh, so there, there, was, there was that. I was slammed. Which into maybe boxes. is better. I was in all <laughs> kinds of stuff, you know, and and. Yeah, no, nobody talked about their feelings. No, my friend even said, like, if, if you got molested in the 80s, you just got on your bike and went home. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like, like nobody, nobody really helped each other know what was okay tell? to tolerate or what wasn't, what, yeah. what you had a right to complain about or feel sorry totally. for, or have hurt feelings over. Totally. Totally, yeah. totally. And so that's why it's so weird is me being an old person watching TikTok and people talking about their traumatic day at school where they failed the test and you're like, hmm. <laughs> is it though? Yeah. You know, it, 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 but it's a sliding scale. It definitely is a sliding scale of, I, of what 
counts, you know. I think in part, at least for me on my my past history, I think in part that comes from my my mom and dad both had really hard childhoods. Mm-hmm. Foster care for my mom. My dad was uh, physically abused by his father. And then you go back another generation, and my grandfather is sort of a child in the Great Depression. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about what it would be like, again, here we are in 2023, and everybody plays, uh, you know, uh, Angry Birds is the old game. I don't know what the current game is, but everybody's playing Angry Birds on their phone, and nobody gives a lick about how hard things are because it's easy to go get food at the grocery store. And yeah. life is, for the most part, as long as you're not suffering from mental illness and as long as you have your arms and your legs, you're going to figure out how to get by. Right. And, in that time in the Great Depression, I mean, my dad would tell me how they often ran out of milk and they would use water on their cereal instead of milk. And I'm like, ooh, I'd just mm-hmm. rather eat dry cereal. Or Sure. But I've never had to deal with that. They said they had holes in their shoes and they put cardboard in their shoes to, yeah. to get through another couple of months before they could get new shoes. And I, I think that generation, you sort of just had to stuff it down. It doesn't do any good to complain about it because life's hard and the, the our best chance sure. at getting by is to ignore the pain and keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and then you stack on, on top of that, <laughs> the religious stuff as well. Mm. You know, we, we're, we're always, I, I remember talking to somebody, it was a family member. They went to a funeral of another family member and uh, she was crying at this funeral and then later felt guilt about it. I said, why would you feel guilt about crying at a funeral? I said, Mm. well, clearly my faith isn't strong enough because if my faith was strong enough, then I would know that they were in a better place. I mean, that's like next level guilt. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, Of just suck it up, put on a happy face. There's people that are worse than you. Knock it off. There's children that are starving in China eat your vegetables, you know, that, that, that kind of a thing that we, that we grew up with, you know? Um, but yeah, the, yeah, it sounds like we have matching trauma. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's it's similar. That's I think good. it's that Michigan, Ohio, Midwestern flavor, you know? Right. Right. Which leads to maybe a conversation about compassion. I'm just, one of the questions we've got here is, have you ever seen like an act of compassion that just sort of like, you're like, wow, like that, that's the right way to show up as a human being. Um, because I think it's sometimes easy. I, I have a, I have somebody I know who's dealing with uh, cancer at the moment. And I, I sort of was caught off guard by this person's uh, comment the other day when I was in their, in their space, we were hanging out a bunch of friends enjoying an evening. And they looked at me and others too, but looked at me and said, you know, I said, I said, what is helpful to you? Do you want to talk about it? Do you not want to talk about it? Because I don't know. I, I'm not the one who's dealing with it. I, I lost a mom to cancer. I certainly am appreciative of how monstrous that disease can be, how yeah. that, that can be. But um, this person's response was like, I want to talk about it. I want someone to sit next to me. And instead of trying to get away from this discomfort, I want them to sit next to me and feel it as I talk oh. about how hard this shit is. Yeah. yeah. And often we humans go like, I want to be helpful, but I don't want to bother them. I'm going to sort of keep my distance. And if they ask for help, I'll help them, but I'm not really going to put myself in their space. And it really seems to me 
this was kind of a light bulb moment for me. It really seems to me that people who are deeply suffering really just want someone to sit with them as they suffer. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on maybe some acts of compassion that you've seen in your life. I, I'm trying to remember where I heard this, but you know, when, when you have a friend who's like going through something and, uh, you you've got this urge to say hey please if you need anything let me know i heard somebody say that's the dumbest thing to say what you really should do is something just do it just do it just yeah. do the thing if if your brain thinks of a nice thing to do do the thing don't ask hey would you like this or or would it help if do the thing we just heard we just talked about how the our generation learned from our parents and them from their parents that we're just not to bother anybody. We're not to right. uh, make anybody uncomfortable. We're not to. Mm -hmm. So when you, which is what you're pointing out, when you ask somebody, Hey, if you need something, let me know what you sort of are telling them is I don't really want to be bothered unless it's an emergency. And then they're, and that's what they're hearing and they're not going to bother you. And as you're pointing yep. out, like, just do the damn thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, I've done, I've done this in, in situations that, that let's say it's something very simple, like a Walmart parking lot. You see a lady who is struggling, trying to get like something heavy into her car and your thought and the thought passes your mind. Oh, well that sucks. She probably needs some help. Uh, or, and then your next thought is to say, Hey, you need some help to which she being an American will say, no, I don't, I'm fine, which is a lie because once again, we're Americans and this is what we do. And so the right thing to do is run over there, grab the damn thing and put it in their car for them yeah. and say, I've got this for you. I've got that going on. You know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, I think I've been on airplanes where little kids are screaming and, you know, uh, older people are, <laughs> somehow grandparents forgot what children are like i don't know but they get angry about it and and i've been shut that kid up yeah just shut that kid up he's like did you even raise one like what are yeah. you talking about you this is what they do and and i've i've always tried to go out of my way to go to that person and go i've got five i get it you know and then i'll give like can't does the kid like candy you know, what, what, what can we do not to shut the kid up, but just to look at the parent, like I've been there, man, I get it, you know, and, and just that simple kind of, kind of compassion. Don't ask, just do the thing. Just do the thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, my wife is listening to this and going bull crap. Yeah. You do the damn right. thing, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get, yeah, you're going to get home after this air airs and. Yeah. That's going to be the response. I'm not good at it. I'm just saying this is what I want, you know. But um what's something crazy you've seen? You know, the the question here is something surreal, something outlandish. What's what's something you experienced that if you hadn't have been there and ex and experienced it yourself, you would have just been like that that just didn't happen the way that you you said it did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
in radio, we have a lot of kind of strange things that happen. Um, I've got. Well, actually, this is this is the thing. And. The fact that I'm on the radio is so weird. That it doesn't make sense. When I tell other people how I got into it, they like other radio people look at me and go, no, it didn't like that. That doesn't that doesn't happen. So let me just tell you exactly what that is. Uh, I was training to sell tires for uh, a tire company. I won't name it, but it rhymes with Dishelin. So (laughs) I was being trained to sell for these guys. Soul sucking work, but it paid very, very well. And uh, it was a 90 day training period on day 88. They called me and said, it's not going to work. And uh, I was out of a job. And one of the things they said was I was too outgoing to sell tires. And I'll never forget that phrase. Too outgoing. Wow. Tires. We need someone less outgoing. I'm going to tell you right now. They were right. They were 100% right. Because if you have ever spent any time with like long haul truckers, especially their bosses, Mm -hmm. zero personality on these people, Mm -hmm. zero. And I was just not rubbing them the right way. Like I I was just a goofball. And so two outgoing to sell tires. So I'm driving around town here in Southern Utah and I'm feeling bad for myself. And I'm listening to the radio, which I never did. I, I was always listening to like podcasts like yours, this fine, fine program. And uh, I was driving around, but the radio was on, and there was a sweeper, this thing in between songs that said, we're looking for an outgoing personality to be on the morning show. And I thought, I'm so outgoing, I got fired for it. (laughs) I'm going to do this. So I looked it up, and I went to the radio station, and I went to the top, and, and I said, hi, I'm here about the morning show job. And the guy goes, do you have any experience? I said, no, but I'm very funny. And I did it very confidently. Like, I never do that. And he looked at me for a few beats and went, all right, you're on Friday. Let's see what you got. <laughs> and uh, that was my audition. And you so made I a career of it. On Friday. And I apparently did a well enough job that they thought I was funny. And it took three months of convincing the higher ups to hire me because I had no experience at all. Uh, But I was right for the part. But Mm -hmm. uh, and then finally, I got the gig on a morning show, which usually you don't get right off the bat. You have to work for many years doing overnights and, you know, grunt work before getting a morning show. But uh, then I got it. And I have to say. There are many times, and it sounds like a cliche, that I look around at my life and I go, holy crap. Like, I, I, this happened. You know what I mean? L- like, this is what I wanted to do when I was a little kid. But in Michigan, if you say, I want to be in entertainment, they look at you like you just said, I want to be a shark. You know, like, the, no, mm. you can't. You live here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, the, no, you think you're better than us? Clock in at GM and shut up. You know, yeah, like, you, like, <laughs> you're either you're either a welder working with you know iron in some way, or you're selling yeah. tires with no. Uh, but since I've gotten that no outgoingness, since I've gotten that morning show gig, I have never 
heard anyone have an open audition for a radio gig in town since. Mm. It's crazy that I got in at the time that I did and how I got in that I did. And before I was on the radio, my life was like two train tracks. I was on one of them, but I kept on looking over at that other train track that was on SNL, that was on the radio, that was making cool stuff, that was, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But I was stuck on that other track. And that's the stuff that messes with me in my mind because my logical brain says there is no plan. My logical brain says it's all coincidence. And my logical brain says there's no higher power up there that's interfering. But then this stuff happens and messes with me in in a good way. But it messes with me and goes, man, this is more than luck. You know what I mean? The, the high, and so having this job and having this position, stuff like that, I do feel like a responsibility to something the flying spaghetti monster on the dark side of the moon i don't know and won't know until i'm dead but i have this responsibility to use it for good because it's it's just karma you know so yes my life in itself is a this doesn't seem real you know yeah you're really good at it by the way you are a you're a really good radio personality oh thanks Um, and you just mentioned a little bit ago, you know, that you struggle with depression. You take meds for it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such a strange thing. I think we see it in the lives of people like you who have a lot of charisma. They, they're, they're, they're joking all the time. They're always yeah. laughing. They seem like the happiest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And often those personalities have some dark space there where they're yeah. really having a hard time. Um, I'm just curious. I, I, like, Go ahead. I'm just curious when, when you show up on at a party or on the screen, I see a happy person who's witty, humorous, mm-hmm. fun to be around life of the party. What it like, what is some of the, like underneath that? Is it, is it sort of, do you feel like you have to kind of be on point? You're constantly like, okay, got to insert the next joke here. Got to say the next thing. Got to, is there a sort of pressure to perform in those moments? Not that you're pretending, but yeah, I think that I've been doing it for so long now, like since I was a kid, so that it's actually very difficult to not make a joke. Hmm. If somebody tells me to be serious, that is a struggle because I am always subconsciously looking for the punchline. Always. Mm. Um, and, and I don't even notice that I'm doing it. It's just who I am at this point is, is how it feels. And so, but in those dark times, uh, the things that I struggle with is, uh, probably the same stuff that a lot of people do. Sometimes I'll, I'll look in the mirror in the morning and, uh, I'll just think F you, (laughs) you know, fuck that guy. Yeah. (laughs) screw this fat piece of lard you talentless hack and and i'll just like <laughs> give myself a middle finger and then walk into the bathroom you know like like yeah it's just this unwarranted hatred for myself that that, that is just it's just there and i don't i'm not entirely sure where it comes from or anything like that but it, it's just like 
maybe that's why I can deal with hate letters so well. Like if somebody complains, I'd be like, that's nothing, man. You should hear what I told myself today. That was brutal. You know, of, of just, or, or like, you know, it's been a while since me and Bonnie had a roll in the hay. And then I'll look in the mirror and I'll go, I wouldn't have that guy either. And <laughs> Go on with my day. I've I've had like, that once or twice. Yeah, you're like, well, this no week. <laughs> look at that. You know, gross. You know, it's disgusting. And so, you know, the, there's just that hatred and that that self doubt and and you know that that kind of a thing of, I'll make a video that I think is really really good and it won't get any views or it won't get any likes or something like that and I'll go, oh, oh I'm a loser. And then, then I have to stop and I go, I tell my kids all the time, don't attach your self-worth to the to the thumbs up buttons of strangers. That's the dumbest thing in the world. And yet I do it. You know what I mean? And then I go, yeah. ah, I've got to clear myself of that head track. And even if you get a, you know, even if you go viral and you get 4.2 million upvotes next yeah. week, you better come out with another one because <laughs> it's not going to mean two shits what you did last week. Totally. I saw the uh, the documentary about Conan O'Brien called Conan O'Brien Can't Stop, and it was it was filmed during that time where he was where he quit the Tonight Show and he had to go uh, on tour and stuff like that. Like all of his dreams had just shattered in that moment. And I'm watching this documentary and I'm like, I'm looking in the mirror because Conan O'Brien is the same way. He he's this kind of a person who's who's a lot of fun on camera and stuff like that, and he's not being fake. He's he's being in that moment. We're very, very happy. But the minute the curtain goes down, the very minute he walks back to his dressing room and starts thinking about how that sucked. How he bombed that one joke, but he landed a hundred. But he's thinking about that one. You know what I mean? Like that. Ah, I wish there was a pill to get rid of that. You know, that's. There is, but you have to really live in upsetting. Oregon. <laughs> We've got mesquite right down the road. Once again, so I've heard. So uh, you know, there's things that I'm sure can help. Uh, let's uh, let's wrap up here. I've got one more question I want to ask you. And this one, I'm going to say, be serious. Okay, be real okay. serious. You got it. So this one is death and dying. And when people pick this out of the list of questions, again, folks, if you're new to the program, the series that we're doing right now, we give the, our guest a list of 80 to hundred questions and they get to pick which ones they would like to speak to in the show. Mm -hmm. And so Mikey, you've picked all of these. And one of the questions you picked that so far about 80% of people pick is to talk about death and dying. And I'll, I'll preface this question with, I'm scared to death of the dying process. I'm only scared of death in the sense that, I want to make sure that my family have the resources to be able to pay the bills, not have chaos trying to figure out where everything's at and how to do it all. And that they can move on with some level of like, you know, dad or, or husband gave enough prep to be able for us to pick up the pieces and move on. But, but dying scares the bejesus out of me. Yeah. Uh, cause I, cause people, you know, even, you know, th those last three minutes, I think it's a 50 50 shot, whether it is absolutely horrendous or whether it's like, well, he went peacefully. Look at the smile on his face. He's just, yeah. it's so yeah. pleasant. Like, I right. wish I could die like that. <laughs> but your thoughts maybe on death and dying, and maybe 
as you become more nuanced in your thinking, what, what I used to do years ago is I would go, don't worry about it. I die. I get kingdoms of heaven. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to get lots of chicks and it's just oh. going to be a hell of a good time. I miss that certainty. I miss it. yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's gone. Like you have, you've acknowledged that in the show that you don't know what the hell's on the other side. Yeah. Um, or if what do you do to wrap? What's that? Or if there is another side, or if there is another side, it might be just a dirt nap. And I, me personally, I sort of lean that way. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on how you wrap your head around death and what does it do for the living Mikey? My thoughts on death. I too am very scared of it because I, I, I kind of like this being a live thing. Mm. Uh, I, I like it and I will be thinking, what am I going to miss? <clears throat> if I live long enough, I may get to an age where I don't care anymore. Hopefully that's what it's like, but I'm just not, don't care. <laughs> I'm not in my eighties yet. I don't know, mm -mm. but, but hopefully you get to an age where you look around and you go, you know what? I've seen all the TV shows I want to see. I've seen all the movies that I want to see. I have watched my kids grow up. <clears throat> my grandkids are not that special. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to think, uh, but, but I'm ready to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I hope that's what it's like. I hope it's like at the end of a really long day of working outside. Like if you ever like worked outside for a long time and you go, I want to go to bed and not wake up. <laughs> You're like, I am beat. I hope that's what it's like so that it doesn't matter on the other end if yeah. there's something or not. That's what I hope. I just need a nap. <laughs> yeah. I hope that I get so exhausted with life that I'm just, I'm just, I'm cool. If I don't wake up, you know mm. what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm, I'm hoping. I heard, you know, this sounds like one of those faith promoting stories and stuff like that. So take it with a grain or a bucket of salt, uh, you know, of nurses that say that, you know, in the in the final stages of life, many people report, you know, seeing their family members in the room before they die. You know, people who have died before. If there is an afterlife and that's a big old if, if there is an afterlife, I hope that in the final moments they send someone I know into the room to look at me, hold my hand and go, you ready? Let's do this. I hope that, mm. that, that I can't think of a more comforting thing than having a dear friend or a family member show up. And we both look at each other with that kind of an understanding of, okay, I know what's next. We're show me around the place. Let's do this. You mm. know, Hopefully that's it. If there's an afterlife, if there's not an afterlife, I just hope I'm really, really tired. <laughs> and I hope that I've done everything that I can. And I wish that I was joking when I say this, but I'm dead serious. If I find out that I'm dying and there's a new star Wars movie in the works, I will be pissed. Like, like genuinely pissed about it mm. until I've seen it. Once the the credits go up, then I can go. But if there's one in the works and I know that I'm about to leave Earth, I will be so upset about it. So that that's my mind frame right now, is that there's too many things that I want to do and see, and I'm not ready to go. But I hope that one day I get tired enough to.
it it sounds like the thing that we should do at least sounds like what you think you should do and i would say certainly what i would like to do is live life to the fullest Mm -hmm. so that when that moment comes there isn't regrets and maybe i'm exhausted yes i want to live life so freaking hard Mm. that it exhausts me that i look at life and i go oh no i couldn't possibly have another serving i've i am full yeah from all of the cool shit that i have been doing you know what i mean like i couldn't have another bite that's that's what i want uh and so yeah it's a it's a and I say this jokingly, it's a privileged position because there are kids in third world countries worried about that next meal they're going to get. Oh, and yeah, we sort worry. of are lucky. As soon as this is over, the guilt will set in. But for right <laughs> now, that's what I'm thinking about. I love it. Uh, Michael Foley, Mikey in the misses in the morning. Uh, tell us if people want to, if, if they're not living here in Southern Utah, or if they are, tell mm-hmm. us how folks could find your radio program if they want to hear more of your humor and the things you have to say. Sure. Uh, you can always stream us at planet one Oh five one, my planet one Oh five one.com. Uh, tell your smart speaker to play planet one Oh five, uh, one, you can listen to it live or you can go on our YouTube page. The thing that I am ignoring my family in order to make better, uh, it's Mikey and the misses M I K E Y and the M R S Mikey and the misses on YouTube. And I'm uploading nonsense every day. Um, yeah, and you're hilarious, folks. If you just want to laugh, go go check out some of the things that Mikey uh, has put out. And uh, I re- just to really appreciate your humor and appreciate your time today, Mikey. And I appreciate your friendship, too. Yeah, same with you. Love you, Bill. Cool. Awesome. Folks, check out the show at almostawakened.org or the Mormon Discussion YouTube channel. You can see the Almost Awakened play, uh, playlist and see other conversations like this. If you want to donate, which we deeply appreciate, go to almostawakened.org, click the donate button. A few bucks a month goes a long way. And I hope you're enjoying these conversations. Mikey, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Bill. Mm-hmm.